Hello everyone. Oh, I thought the thing got a little messed up. Let me fix that real quick for everyone. But first, hello and welcome to episode 141 of the N60 podcast, the official podcast of the N60 community. This podcast is recorded live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the official N60 Twitch and is available to stream on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. I'm going to fix this video up real quick, but go ahead, <laughs> Ivan. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. I'm always excited to do another podcast. And it wouldn't be an NZXT podcast without technical difficulties, mm-hmm. but I'll just ignore the fact that you're uh, tweaking it. Um, super excited for this episode, actually, because uh, we have a very special guest, and it's Lyndon from IFT. Lyndon, how are you? Hello there. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Uh, for those listeners that don't know, um, we recently announced our nzxt cams ift integration so we're going to explain a lot about what ift is and what the integration does and whatnot but before we get into that i definitely want to give Lyndon the chance here to um answer a lot of our our questions and let people know what uh he's all about what ift is all about so before we get started Lyndon, please let everyone know what is your job title and what do you do at ift Sure. Yeah. Hi there. I'm Lyndon Tibbetts. Uh, my job title is uh, CEO. Uh, I'm also the founder. So I've been working on if really kind of depending on uh, when you when you start the, the timer uh, for about 11 or 12 years. Um, so we're, you know, still a startup. Uh, and the idea behind Ift is uh, helping people connect anything to anything else. Uh, the name if stands for if this, then that, that's where all those T's come from. Uh, and that's kind of the basic structure that you can use or kind of uh, a way that you can think about how one connection works with another. So, you know, if uh, your CPU goes above a certain level or if your internal, uh, you know, a PC temperature goes above a certain level, change the light color or get an alert. Uh, you know, there's so many more things you can do. Um, we've got about uh, almost 800 individual services on the platform and we're excited to be working with nzxt and specifically nzxt cam i think you just answered like half of the questions that we were going to ask you but it's okay but it's funny um like as you were talking i saw there was a comment in the chat here uh darkest shade said i was wondering how it was pronounced and it's funny that uh that he mentioned that because for the Forever, ever since I've known of IFT, I've always called it IFTTT. And when Amanda, our product manager at CAM, t- told me, she's like, hey, we're going to integrate with IFTTT. I, the, my first thought was like, great, like the two brands with the most difficult names to pronounce are finally getting together. Like, that's awesome because no one can, no one knows how to say NZXT either. So uh, I'm very, I'm very glad to, to know it's pronounced IFT, not IFTTT, correct? We don't get too mad, you know. The only the only <laughs> one that I kind of roll my eyes at is when someone says if to 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 to. That's uh, you know, IFTTT is just fine. In fact, it's all caps, kind of like NZXT. Yeah. Doesn't look like it can be pronounced, but uh, yeah, if if is the way we do it. And one of the things we've actually found, and I don't know if y'all have seen this as well, but regardless of people being able to pronounce the name, often good business advice to have a name that's pronounceable. Uh, but I think maybe even more important is it recognizable. So the fact that it's like all caps, it's very unique. Like if you're just like looking at a blog post or a bunch of tweets or something, it like stands out. So I think we've gotten a lot of, uh, 
lot of runway out of just people saying, oh, I, I've seen that before. That must that must mean something. It must be important. So, yeah. Stefan looks cool. I think it looks really cool. Just, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you mentioned, how, how long exactly has if been around? Well, we kind of officially launched into a private beta. I think it was December 2010. And uh, I was working with my brother at the time. He was sleeping on my couch, my apartment. And we were trying to figure out like when we should launch, that kind of thing. <clears throat> and he was like, no, you got to launch in 2010. It's like a round number, be easy to remember. I was trying to like push it out after the holidays. So uh, I can kind of remember the, the exact month and date uh, uh, that we launched. And yeah, we were just blown away by the initial response. I think we had a couple hundred thousand users within a few weeks of, you know, you know, sending out invites. So those are all people that kind of asked for an invite and got one. Um, yeah, it's been off to the races ever since. So uh, I still sometimes have to kind of pinch myself. It's uh, even though we're still very much a startup, we're only about 45 uh, people total on the team. Um, it's really, I, I've just been so lucky to continue to work on something that I've been passionate about, uh, you know, going into it would have never thought I'd be still in like startup, you know, yeah, in the startup garage mode uh, for over a decade, but it's been awesome. And the the team, the people we work with, even though we've had you know kind of successive different classes, you know, different people, different times, um, have all been amazing, and they've all gone on to do really cool, uh, uh, unique things. So it's been a blast. What did you, what did you do before uh, Ift? Like, what did you do anything specific? Did you work in startups for most of your life, or this is just kind of happened upon itself yeah well definitely uh the, the, the longest job i've ever had is if but um a little bit of my backstory so i'm originally from dallas texas or just south of dallas texas uh knew at a pretty early age that i wanted to be in silicon valley doing computer stuff um <clears throat> not that's usually how i phrased it but what that really was at the time was like making video games and like working at Pixar was also a dream. So I just like loved the idea of being able to like express a story or engage an audience with computers. It was just like super cool. So was, you know, definitely one of those, you know, build your own PC kids uh, at home uh, uh, for a long time. So games was a big thing uh, uh, as well as 3D animation. And for whatever reason, you know, wasn't even thinking about startups and like what Silicon Valley has now really kind of become to be known for. But I knew that Pixar was out here, LucasArts was out here, NVIDIA was out here. So I uh, went to school for computer engineering uh, at a place called Santa Clara. Uh, it's down in San Jose. Um, <clears throat> that was, you know, kind of, uh, I was, was lucky enough, actually, you can't tell I'm sitting down, but I'm like ridiculously tall, uh, about 6'9". So... Uh, tricked tricked a lot of like college basketball coaches into thinking I'd be actually good at basketball. Uh, so that's kind of what got me out here in the first place. And yeah, only only visited or considered schools in the Bay Area. Um, so I was really, really lucky and uh, yeah, did computer engineering, graduated and got my first job at Electronic Arts. So worked at Maxis. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually on the, the kind of end credits for The Sims 2. Uh, so it was kind of like a dream, dream come true because I, I loved Will Wright and I just thought he was so cool. Um, wasn't a huge fan of The Sims, but it was still kind of like, I'll, I'll take what I can get. It was definitely, uh, you know, living the dream, working in video games. And this was, uh, <clears throat> I think around the time back in 2005, 2006, 
think electronic arts had, had just gotten a lot of kind of bad uh, publicity just around kind of like the work hours. I think a lot of stuff that people have come to just kind of accept once it kind of got out of the closet a little bit uh, in the you know kind of video game world. You know, I was working video game night shifts. I'd literally show up at the electronic arts office, uh, Redwood Shores. I think it was like 10 p.m. Work to like, you know, sometime in the morning and someone else would come in after. Uh, and uh, specifically was doing like kind of like automated testing and like some of the build process to like build the game, stamp the disks, and then send all those disks down to like the testing where they did the actual testing. Because I think the position was called like dev tester or something like that. But anyways, I only did that for a little less than a year uh, and then wasn't able to kind of like get onto the next project, you know, kind of they're very project based. So they kind of 3X, 4X the size of the team towards the end of the game. And I couldn't get onto the next one. And uh, yeah, from there went from living the dream to like soul crushing. I worked, uh, I won't name the company because I, I won't be rude because the people there were awesome, but it was like uh, biometric scanners for enterprises. So like fingerprint scanners, iris scanners, you know, different ways to, to kind of help people keep their uh, PC safe, their laptop safe if they took it home and took it around. And it was just like super soul crushing. Beige, you know, kind of uh, cubicles, you know, very stereotypical, like office stuff. And I actually think that was uh, a really important experience because it kind of like woke me up. It's like if I was going to do something that I was super passionate about uh, and that I really loved doing, like it was going to take a lot more effort. I wasn't just going to, I almost kind of like lucked into getting the job at Electronic Arts, you know. Um, and so I was going to have to really spend a lot more time getting good at something and kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And no one was just going to hand it to me. Um, and so <clears throat> it was that kind of painful process that got me really into design, uh, did a lot of kind of one-off projects. Uh, I can talk about design all day, every day. I, I just love it. Just thinking about like building something for someone else, which is a lot like, you know, we think about video games, like you're you're constantly oriented around the, the player. You know, how is someone going to perceive this? And you can really have that same orientation no matter what it is you're building. It's a little bit harder, you know, depending on what it is you're building, right? Games are just so natural. You know, most people that make games play games. And so they just kind of naturally understand the audience. Um, so <clears throat> that led me to try to, you know, just do anything I could to get my foot in the door to design firm. I applied to like 30 different design firms in the Bay Area, and the only one I even heard back from just happened to be like the biggest and the best was a place called IDEO. Uh, so was hired there as a, an engineer that kind of desperately wanted to be a designer uh, and just kind of learned by osmosis and you know did what I could to kind of move in that direction and kind of made that transition. And during that, that process, stumbled upon a lot of the inspiration that led to IFT. So, sorry, that was a long answer to your question, but that's my background. No, no, I'm still, I thinking, mean, actually, I'm still actually, thinking about your height. Yeah, I know. Six, six, nine, you said? Nine. Oh, well, I round up. I'm like six, eight and a half, six, eight and three quarters. Oh, okay. you're, you're almost as tall as me. You, you might as well just round up. You know, some, something nice about <laughs> six, nine, yeah. as opposed to six, eight. So. But uh, to kind of go along with that, actually, it's a perfect segue into it. It's like, so you, you worked in this kind of design element of your life. How did that lead to becoming and creating? The, like, how did you come up with the idea of if? Like, how did that end up becoming it? Yeah, so 
cut me off at any time because I, I I can talk about it like all day. So I'll just ramble. But the uh, you know the, the origin story of Ift. You know, I was working at IDEO, you know, mostly as an engineer. Uh, and at the time, I was doing a lot of kind of connecting some of the internal systems. Uh, we were building something that was kind of a little bit like an internal Facebook, but was meant to showcase all of the different projects that IDEO has worked on. And they've worked on some incredible stuff, including like stuff that, you know, they're still not allowed to talk about, you know, big, big fruit company. Uh, down in Cupertino, things like that. So they, they've got all kinds of really, really cool projects. Um, and so, you know, I was thinking about, you know, how all these systems, these kind of old internal kind of uh, boring legacy systems were being connected. And so much of what I was doing as an engineer wasn't really like building something new from scratch. It was just like duct taping a bunch of stuff together. Um, and so that was part of it. There was another thing. Um, one of the uh, kind of early pioneers at IDEO was a woman named Jane Fulton Surrey. Uh, she's like a, I think she's you know, kind of tenured professor or something at Stanford. Um, but her background was really unique in the design world. <clears throat> uh, she was a, a psychologist, so thought about people first, didn't really think about objects or you know, design. Uh, and she really kind of was the driving force behind what has kind of become you know, a cliche or something you hear all the time in the design world, which is uh, human-centered design um, uh, and kind of pioneered the idea that, you know, designers really needed to think about the people they were designing for first and foremost, and that the more you could kind of engage and relate to those people, uh, the better your designs would be, the better your ideas would be for how to, how to build something or how to make something. <laughs> and that all sounds so obvious, um, and, but, you know, design, I think, is still suffering from a perception that it's kind of like a, a veneer that sits on top of something. It's how it looks. Uh, 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 but it really, it's everything. You know, design is everything. You know, it, you know, it's kind of spoken like a true design nerd. But, you know, the more you can kind of get in touch with the people that are actually going to use it, uh, the, the more you can build something that they actually use. Uh, and so because of that, you know, she had this little picture book that IDEO published. Um, it was called Thoughtless Acts. And what I thought was so cool about it, and there's been kind of other books and other ways to look at it, but it was people using like everyday objects to solve problems and using those objects kind of outside of the range that they are originally designed for. So like silly examples would be like, imagine stacking a bunch of books to like prop a door open or like uh, using a, a pencil to like hold your ponytail up or something like that. Uh, like one of the pictures was like, you know, ashing your cigarette uh, in a in the top of a bottle, uh, uh, bottle top, you know. So these are all kind of like silly use cases. They're not like inventions. The people that are doing them, you know, aren't, you know, patting themselves on the back thinking that they've like solved a world problem. But they're the types of things that everybody does, you know, and uh, they're as mundane as like, you know, you think about you have a backpack. What can you put in your backpack? anything and you know depending on where you're going or what you're doing you're making decisions about what goes in that backpack and what those decisions look like is the simple example of putting stuff in a backpack is you're understanding the kind of functional attributes of some kind of object the functions uh, and then you're programming those functions you're essentially using those functions to solve a problem uh, and that's really all programming or specifically object-oriented programming is. It's like understanding how something works, how an API works or a program works, and then 
using that in some very kind of uh, context specific way to solve a problem. And so when you kind of look at it in that broad view, everybody is a programmer uh, and they just kind of don't know it. And in the physical context, when you're in the physical world, people kind of reinvent and, and kind of reuse and repurpose stuff all day, every day, just like naturally how we live in the world. And it's because we have so much kind of built up knowledge about how things in the physical world work. But when you transition to this like new digital world, there's really kind of haves and have nots. There's people that understand it, you know, other programmers, you know, kind of digital natives. Uh, but then there's, you know, the vast majority of people that don't understand how that stuff works. So they're just kind of learning, you know, how to interact with it, but they don't understand the attributes of that service well enough to like repurpose it and solve their own problems. And so, you know, long story short, that was the problem I thought was so cool that, you know, needed to be solved. In the digital world, there needed to be a way for people to kind of duct tape stuff together and, you know, yeah. kind of make their own rules up. Yeah, no, it is cool. And I think it, it is something that was much needed. Um, I'm curious, though, like, what was your greatest challenge when you were doing all of this? Well, whew, I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't know where to start. I think building anything from scratch, uh, in particular, a company is always, always a challenge. So I think one thing, you know, kind of drop a little bit of advice, you better be passionate about that thing. You know, you've got to have some way, even if it's, you know, ideally it's the problem you're solving and like how you're solving that problem. But even if it's not that, that you've got to find something that you can kind of go back to when you like have a tough day, get home, sit down and kind of close your eyes and think about something. You can kind of find that North Star. Uh, and so I think I've had that, you know, I've been passionate about the problem and how we're solving it really from day one. Uh, but, you know, other big challenges, you know, I think <clears throat> the changing world of APIs, you know, uh, our service and company is really unique in that we actually don't do anything as a standalone service, right? Like, well, we're here talking to NZXT. It really takes other companies like NZXT, other services, other, other APIs for if to create any value. So right out of the gate, we're, you know, we're very different than like, you know, you think about other companies have platforms, you know, Apple has a platform and the iPhone or, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, but so many of those platforms aren't really the main thing. Like you can get a whole lot of value out of your iPhone if there weren't any other apps other than Apple apps, right? Uh, and that's the case for just about every other platform. And so I think a big challenge for us has been, okay, from day one, value is created kind of on the backs of these other services. And we've got to find ways to either convince those services to standardize or to publish an API or to hook those APIs into IFT if it's not a public API. And uh, we've got to do that you know, over time. We've got to ma maintain those relationships. And you know, businesses change, things come and go, products are you know, depreciated, so on and so forth. Uh, so I think one of our biggest challenges is just how do we, you know, keep everything together? How do we keep enough value as things evolve? Uh, uh, and I think one of the ways we've done that is to genuinely try to be doing something that's good, right? You know, we're, we are a bit, we're for-profit business. So, you know, I don't want to uh, toot my own harm too much, but genuinely what we're doing, I think is, is a good thing. You know, we believe everything works better together. Right, and that's you know that's true for people, uh, but it's also true for digital services. 
And so, so in so much as we can like empower people to do something new, even if it's a really small thing, if they were able to kind of solve a problem that they had uh, with IFT, that, you know, that's a good thing. You know, getting things to, to work together is, is good. Uh, and so I think that that kind of shines through in who we are and kind of how we make decisions. And so I think that has, has had a lot to do with the fact that we've been able to maintain a lot of things. And even if some things go away, they come back, right? Like we've had an uh, interesting relationship with like uh, Google and Nest, had some awesome services. They went through this whole kind of like legal stuff where you know people were really worried about just any data from Google leaking out there, started to get really closed with their APIs. And you know now that's kind of reverse course, and they're going back the other direction. And this year we kind of relaunched some of those Nest services, so we've seen that kind of pattern happen, kind of back and forth over time. Uh, so yeah, we're we're lucky that I think people perceive that we're we're the good guys. We we want things to work together, and we want to respect both the people that work on those products and those products themselves, and the people that are trying to use those products to to solve problems. Yeah, and. To kind of go along with that, so you say companies usually create the value. So from what we know, there's a thing called an applet that basically is the value that's being created. Can you explain exactly what an applet is for those that don't know what it is? Yeah, so the, the easiest way to think about an applet is like it's a discrete piece of functionality that adheres to the if this and that rule. So, you know, if someone rings your connected doorbell, uh, then you know, blink the lights or announce that on uh, your your like voice assistant or something like that. Or if your brand is mentioned on Twitter, save that tweet to a Google spreadsheet uh, in a specific you know uh, sheet on a row, <clears throat> so on and so forth. So there's really kind of infinite combinations. Um, we've kind of added some additional you know you know conditional things that you can do if. Uh, and then when something happens, so if someone rings your doorbell and it's raining outside, then don't blink the lights, you know, do something else uh, or send a, send a high priority push notification uh, or send a high priority push notification and save the picture of that person to your Dropbox. So you can start to get pretty complex, um, but we've uh, really tried to keep it as uh, simple as possible. Like one of our design principles from the get-go was, you know, how do we, uh, make programming approachable. So one of the things we do is we never talk about programming. Uh, even, even the name applet is kind of a, is a, a goofy name pulled from the world of programming, like the Java programming world in like circa 1990s. Um, but it was kind of approachable. It was meant to sound like a mini app. Uh, and uh, the interface is really big and visual, you know, kind of like Lincoln logs or something. You know, it's something that, you know, when someone sees it right out of the gate, you know, it's not like, green on black it doesn't look like a command line or something like that it looks like okay there's like two big ass buttons uh, i'll click the big biggest one what, what does that do uh and i think in that way it helps people you know almost uh, get some comfortable with programming and hopefully they never even think of themselves as programming they're just using ift you know it's so interesting you say that because um I've used Ift and one of uh, Ift's competitors, I, I won't name them either, but there's definitely a clear difference in how both of these uh, services function. You know, Ift definitely makes it simple. I don't even think I'm, I, I guess it is programming, right? But it really 
like I don't think of it that way. And I remember um, when I first started using Ift was probably like maybe eight eight years ago or seven mm -hmm. years ago. And back then, um, you know, smartphones weren't really as smart as they are now. And I remember using it for things like, you know, when I walk into the office, connect to the Wi-Fi network, or when I leave the office, turn on my Bluetooth and things like that. You know, now all that stuff has been d done automatically. And I think back then there weren't as many applications on Ift as there are now, uh, for sure. Because uh, when I look at Ift, the Ift website now, I just see literally every service I can ever possibly imagine is on there. <laughs> but how many total applications are integrated with Ift at the moment? I think we're really close to 800. Uh, we've got, I think, over 100 that are kind of in various stages of development. Um, <clears throat> in fact, you know, we're we're actually really interested to add more stuff in the in the kind of gaming world or gaming adjacent world. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, uh, Discord uh, be really really popular. Uh, Twitch has been really popular uh, for us on Ift. Um, so obviously, we we think NZXT is going to be awesome. Uh, but there's a lot of other gaming services that don't really have either open APIs or they're not necessarily as interested in working with other companies. So kind of thinking specifically about the big three in gaming, especially console gaming, Sony, Nintendo, and, and Xbox. Um, so wanna would love to figure out how to kind of work with them in different ways. Uh, but also, I think there's a lot of stuff in the gaming world that we're missing as well. Uh, so there's still, there's still a long way to go. You know, like... Uh, we want everything to work better together. Uh, and so 800 is kind of a drop in the bucket when it comes to everything. Um, but yeah, we're, it, it's been really, really awesome. I think one of the big transitions for us, um, it, you know, we've had the same kind of vision, the same North Star for like the problem we want to solve, but we've only really recently figured out how to, to, to make the business work to drive that solution uh, and to really scale that solution. Uh, and so, you know, I think we we switch from trying to charge the brands themselves, the enterprises, uh, to charging the end users. Um, and <clears throat> it's always painful when you change directions like that as a company. We did that about two and a year, two and a half years ago. Um, but we've never looked back. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, in retrospect, maybe, maybe we should have figured that out sooner. Um, but I, I'm really excited uh, to to now kind of have the business really working and growing. Uh, to the point that we can invest all of that back in the team and back in the product uh, and do kind of all of those things. You know, as a startup, you always have a list of 100 things that you'd love to do, and you kind of have to pick two or three. You know, so maybe we can expand that list to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, um, and be off to the races. And uh, that was actually going to be my next question was, like, is all this free to use? And you just answered it, you know, because um, I know there is, like, a free, a free option for mm -hmm. people. Um, but to really take advantage of it, you know, there is um, a subscription that allows you to just connect basically anything you, yeah. you want on there. Yeah. And I'm sure that wasn't a very easy decision to make. Um, but I'm curious, out of, out of all the different uh, IFT applets that you've seen out there in, in, your, in your time, what has been your, your favorite one thus far? Yeah, well... <clears throat> I can speak to a few different ones, and so many of my favorites are the ones that I've either used or seen firsthand. Uh, I've been reminded actually just a couple of weeks ago of uh, an older applet that uh, is no longer set up and running because it was adjacent to, we used to have uh, this awesome office on Market Street, 
as the pandemic hit, we went fully remote. I've never looked back. So, uh, you know, it's not like, I don't think we're uh, thinking too much about the good old days of having the office, but uh, it was a really cool spot. Um, and we've had so many kind of creative people uh, that have worked at the company over the years. Uh, and one of our engineers, uh, his name Nick Nicholas Silva, uh, uh, kind of built out this sign that was an if sign and it used uh, each one of the letters IFTTT had a, a LifeX light bulb in it uh, that you know changed different colors, turn on and off. And uh, he then hooked that up through IFT to a Twitter account called the IFT Lights Twitter account. So I think you know at IFT Lights Twitter account probably still exists. Uh, then we had a little sign, so we put it all kind of in the window on Market Street. And so Market Street in San Francisco, if you're you know a little bit different now, but uh, you know three four years ago. Uh, it was, it's like the main kind of thoroughfare. It's like the, the main artery of the street. So lots of foot traffic, lots of different people. I just, I just Googled it real quick and I found an article about it with pictures and uh, I slacked it to you, Mike. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right on the, the stream. Um, yeah, that looks awesome. Yeah. So the, the long story short, there, there was actually a couple applets that ran that and it was just kind of like this interactive art piece. You could walk by and if you knew what it was, or if you didn't know what it was, you could, oh, cool. Like these lights, but okay, like I'll tweet at this account and like you could change them to like rainbow colors or change them to any color, uh, blink them, turn them on and off. And I think what was so cool about it is you'd just kind of be working and you'd see someone outside like looking at their phone or showing someone else their phone and then you'd see the lights change. Uh, wow. I just thought that was so cool that we were powering this kind of like interactive experience. Um, so that's, that's one of my favorite applets I think of all time. That's a good one. On, on the other hand, What's the weirdest applet that you've seen so far? Ooh, um, you know, for a while there, you know, we, we've done a lot to kind of combat spam. Like I, I could say there's, there's always some way that someone finds to make money online. Uh, and, uh, you know, we kind of have gotten tighter and tighter over the years, but especially in the early days, um, back when people were uh, really big into like SEO, kind of like tricks and, and games and kind of shady stuff, uh, we would be like blown away that like someone, uh, you know, it wasn't actually automated at the time, but like someone would like sign up to IFT and create a thousand applets that were all trying to get these like keywords out there. Uh, so for a while there, we were like a spammers, you know, power tool. And we've now since kind of like fought that off and kind of uh, done a lot better job of kind of policing how people are using that. And that goes to a lot, you know, we, we want people to use IFT for all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, but we also have to respect, you know, like what those services want, right? Like Twitter doesn't want a lot of like weird bots or things that are impersonating other people um, or, uh, you know, it, you know, kind of go down the list of what services want and that changes over time. Uh, so I think I think some of the weirdest stuff has been the stuff that people do to try to make money. One of the recent ones we're uh, uh, combating right now is uh, there's uh, different phone numbers that you can literally, if you text that phone number, a text, you can make money. I don't, I don't really know how this works, but like basically it's like you text this number something, anything, you like make a fraction of a penny. And so people have tried to find ways to like, you know, essentially send lots and lots of uh, messages to these numbers. So we, we didn't have to, you know, kind of fight all that stuff back. And, you know, we don't want to pay for all those messages, but it's just like, uh, I think what's, what's cool about it to me is, is, there's kind of this like dark CD underbelly and like a, a lot of what people are doing there, we don't particularly like or other people don't particularly like. But I think 
that is really just like a sign that there's also so many other ways that people can make money online. Um, and it's one of the reasons I'm so excited about like, like NZXT or Discord or Twitch. Uh, it kind of feels like the very early days of something, even though I'm sure a lot of people either listening or, or you both here are probably like, oh, we've been doing this for years. But like, there's ways to make money online that just weren't there three or four years ago. Uh, imagine people that are making money streaming, you know, video games or you know, creating uh, different types of content. Uh, and I think I'd love to see that just continue to kind of expand, even if that means there's all kinds of other kind of like dark and seedy ways to make money. Uh, if we can help people do something that they love and actually get paid doing it, um, I think the internet is doing something good. You know, it's getting, it's making things better rather than worse, but that's, that's a process. Yeah. And, uh, I think that you're totally right. There's, there's definitely more ways now to make money online or just with computers in general than ever before. So I think these next couple of years, now that a lot of people are going fully remote, you know, just in front of their computers more than ever, I do think there's probably going to be a lot of, uh, ingenuity that comes out of this. Um, so I guess we have to stick around and find and see what happens. Right. Um, Oh yeah. yeah, I'm kind of an internal optimist. I think, I think to do a startup, you kind of have to be, but yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be things where we kind of, you know, fall, fall down or, or, or do something wrong or help people make money in ways that maybe aren't so great for society. But I think for every one of those ways, hopefully there's three or four new ways that are really good. Um, and specifically, I'm really excited too, to, to help people make money, but get out from in front of their computer. You know, the kind of fully remote thing. We're all kind of speaking from our various, you know, man caves, if you will. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be just men, but it's, uh, we're kind of stuck inside. We're like locked in these little kind of jail cells. Uh, yeah. And I think the more money we make doing it, the longer we're going to be stuck doing it. Uh, but I don't think that's the end all be all. So I think, you know, even longer views, there's going to be ways that the comp computers and the internet can help people make money online without actually being online or at least being stuck in front of a screen. You hear that, Mike? We should make an applet for that. You can make an applet for anything, anything yeah. and everything. Uh, and uh, speaking of applets, you know, I definitely want to start getting into, uh, you know, what we're all here for today, which is to celebrate the fact that NZXT Cam now integrates with. If so, Lyndon, this is probably something that Mike and I should be answering, but we want to ask you, how exactly does NZXT Cam integrate with IFT? Yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm not yet a customer, so I want to make sure I'm clear about that. I don't want to lie to anybody, but I think what NZXT Cam is doing is super cool because uh, I've always wanted uh, more integrations on IFT to kind of like reach into uh, you know, your PC or laptop, like what's going on there? You know, I think we're, we've been so focused for the last decade on the phone and there's all kinds of cool ways that you can kind of connect your phone and your location to IFT to do different things. But there aren't a whole lot of ways uh, to hook up your PC. And uh, for a lot of people, you know, all three of us here on this podcast, uh, probably a lot of people watching, we're in front of our computer right now. Uh, and there's a lot going on that's very personal on that computer. And so what NZXT Cam does is connect things like your your, your CPU load. You know, is it, does it drop below a certain percentage or rise above a certain percentage? Uh, does your kind of memory or RAM usage 
drop below a certain percentage or above? Does your network traffic, are you getting way too much network traffic or are you getting none, you know, no network traffic? Is your internet out? Uh, so those are all like triggers, ways in which NGXDCAM takes information from how your PC is running, what your PC is doing. Uh, and that's the, you know, if part. So if uh, your CPU load drops below a certain percentage, uh, or if your frame rate, you know, drops below a certain percentage, uh, then, uh, and then you can do something else from there. So uh, I think there's just so many cool things and that's just really like the triggers. Uh, the, the actions are also super cool. Things like uh, changing your profile, uh, setting your, you know, your kind of like PC light uh, lighting, you know, so you want the lighting to be bright, you want the lighting to be really dim or all the way down to zero. Uh, and so I think there's some really cool things you can do in that regard as well. Uh, and I can also see a lot of ways in which someone uh, that's like streaming, streaming uh, on, on Twitch or, or somewhere else uh, could kind of use uh, what NZXT Cam is doing with IFT to kind of create other kind of narratives or, or do different cool things uh, to engage with their audience beyond just them watching and, you know, kind of chatting, uh, but actually kind of interacting with what's happening in the room or, or with the actual player that's streaming. I always, I've always equated IFT with like, you know, like the Green Lantern's kind of power where it's like, you could just be as creative as you want and that's a hundred percent up to you. It could be as simple, like, you know, like you said, like changing the lights when your, um, your temperature gets a little too hot. So then it, when it hits like 75 degrees, it'll change from uh, green to orange. And then when it hits 80 degrees, it'll hit orange to red. And if it hits 85, it'll turn into purple. You know, like those, it's a very simple thing. But then you can do some absolutely crazy, crazy things that honestly, I'm not sure. Kind of kind of going along with that, is there something that you want like Cam and if to like see? Like, is there something that you want to see that you haven't seen yet? Um, you know, I I think it would be really cool uh, to get some more information from NZXT Cam through what we call queries. So we kind of have three fundamental uh, kind of units on if triggers, queries, actions. So triggers are like events. You know, uh, something happens. You know, somebody posts a tweet. Your CPU drops below a certain percentage. Actions are well. The, 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 that's the most obvious, but it's like you know, post a new tweet or change the color of the lights. Uh, queries are a little harder to explain, uh, but hopefully just as easy. A query is kind of a question and an answer. Uh, are my lights on? What color are my lights? What, you know, what, what's the current frame rate at this point in time? And so I think, you know, even that last one, I think would be really interesting to almost like, kind of like pull your frame rate over time or uh, see what happens like when, if your CPU rises above a certain percentage or your GPU rises above a certain percentage, what does that do to your frame rate? And can you kind of track that over time, like in a spreadsheet? Uh, can you even share that frame rate with uh, other people watching uh, 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 different things on Twitch? My guess is you can probably already do that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think there's a lot of cool things that you can do with queries. If you can kind of almost take any of the information that is vented via a trigger and also have that information accessible via a query, uh, I think there's a lot of kind of other powerful use cases really in that, you know, kind of power user, you know, uh, uh, infinite imagination kind of world. Um, so it, it's all super cool. It's just awesome that uh, what you have now exists, but like anything, it can always be better. Yeah. And that uh, mini Miko actually just dropped one in the chat here that I was thinking about, which was connecting my PC to uh, like 
my smart home stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the most obvious easy one is if your computer gets too hot, just turn on the AC, which is like, it's so simple that I like to think about, but it's like, oh yeah, like that should, that could just be done automatically. I don't even need to worry about it. Uh, so I'm also, I'm super excited to see what our community comes up with because we have a lot of people who use cam who are very creative. Um, so I imagine we're definitely going to be getting a lot of, a lot of cool applets soon. And for, for those people that want to um, start experimenting with applets, does IFT have any any sort of resources or guides that uh, they can use to, to learn more? Yeah, so I mean, I think the first thing is just checking out the service page on IFT. Uh, so ift.com slash nzxt underscore cam. Um, and we showcase a lot of the applets that have been published so far. Um, right now, I think almost all of those applets have been published by uh, the folks that built the NZXT cam service on IFT. Um, but what'll happen, especially as more people use it, is you know really any user can publish an applet on IFT. And so you'll start to see some of those creative use cases, not just in what people are doing, but then what people are publishing for others to do. So uh, a published applet is basically uh, something that someone else can use that you've already kind of built and used yourself. So you know uh, most users actually don't have to like get super creative, they just have to kind of explore and find what other people are doing, either get inspired or just reuse those published applets. So I think over time, just going to that, you know, NZXT cam service page, you'll see that list of applets growing, and you'll see like what the other people in the community are doing. And um, kind of as a theme, we found working with the different services on IFT, uh, after publishing, you know, they, they would do these like internal brainstorms, like what are all the ways in which people could use uh, you know, our service on if when it launches and, and you know, inevitably within a month or so of launching, uh, they're kind of like blown away by all the other things they didn't think about. And some of the most popular ways to use their service on if are going to be found by the community, you know, it's just kind of like a thousand minds are better than three or four. Um, and so I think that that's just kind of the easiest thing to do is just check out what happens as, as things evolve. Uh, we've got all kinds of like guides and docs and ways, you know, ways to understand how to use IFT. Um, uh, even on that NZXT cam page, there's like a details tab that lists all the triggers, queries, and actions that are available now. Uh, the kind of health of the API, uh, you know, is it is it all working? Or are there certain endpoints that, you know, are kind of going in and out? And those are things that the, the developers at NZXT will kind of get alerts for as well. So they can kind of maintain that API and make sure it's running well. Um, but I think, yeah, just starting if.com slash NZXT cam, checking out what's available is the, the easiest way to get started. Honestly, it's like you said about it's the people that add the value to it. It's, you know, uh, what's the quote? Necessity is the mother of mention. So it's like you, you need something, do it. You know, it's like if, if something's bothering you or you're like, you know, this could be better, make it. And that's that's one of those crazy, crazy things about this thing is that it's it's hundred percent up to you what you want to do so is there anything that you would want to see in the future with if itself well that we could talk about that for the next hour as well so uh <laughs> you know i think uh for us you know i mentioned the fact that we've kind of finally figured out the business and something feels really good about essentially you know creating a customer relationship with the people that get the most value from it the individual users uh, and so I think there's kind of one uh, kind of uh, path uh, where there's all kinds of things we can add, especially for the folks that are, are paying for Pro and Pro Plus. 
different features. You know, like one of the ways that we kind of differentiate between free and paid on Ift is, you know, the number of applets that you get, you can get a certain number for free. Uh, if you go beyond that, you, you then have to start paying. Um, but I think the real reason that I think a lot of people upgrade to Pro and Pro Plus uh, is to get some of the additional uh, uh, kind of applet features, uh, being able to do more with applets, like multiple actions, uh, in some cases, things like queries and what we call filter code. When if you get kind of get really into the details, you can like write JavaScript that runs in the middle of triggers, queries, and actions uh, running. Uh, so you, you can effectively, you know, kind of start to actually program, program capital P. Um, but I think there's just all kinds of other things. We, we recently uh, launched uh, a feature uh, that uh, allows people to set a delay to the action. Um, so you can imagine, uh, you know, you have something happen with NZXT cam. Um, we'll just stick with this example of like controlling the lights since that's always so easy to talk about. <clears throat> but there could be a reason where you want, you know, when something happens say your CPU load, you know, rises above, you want some kind of delay for when the lights turn on. You don't want that to happen automatically. Uh, you want to delay that by minutes or hours. Uh, and there's all kinds of other, you know, reasons why someone might want something to be delayed. Uh, so that's an example, you know, kind of a, a small piece of functionality, but <clears throat> it's like another way to inject more kind of creative use cases, uh, things that, uh, maybe didn't make sense before. Now, as we add something like delay, um, another example of something we don't have yet that we've we've always wanted to add, and I think may start working on soon, is like uh, a notification and confirmation, right? So imagine back to that same example, CPU drops below a certain percent, uh, but you get a push notification that says, hey, do you want to change the color of your lights? Yes or no? And so there's kind of like this user input step in the middle of running your applet. Uh, so I think, you know, those are all examples of things that kind of happen uh, uh, for Pro and Pro Plus users or, you know, as we make decisions about what's paid and what's not. Uh, I think the other path um, is really like the value, like I said in the very beginning, like if doesn't create any value as a standalone product, it only creates value in so much as it works with the other things that people use. Um, you know, we're like, we're, we are duct tape, uh, as sexy as that sounds. Uh, and so I think, uh, for us to create more value uh, and do more things that people really love, we've got to have more and more services. Uh, and so I think a big part of that is finding ways to make it easier and easier for developers or even non-developers to connect their service or connect their thing, the thing they're working on to Ift. And so that could be a commercial thing like NZXT Cam, uh, but it could even be you know, something you built with an Arduino that controls your your own garage door in your own house. Probably don't want other people to control that, but you could still plug that into Ift as a service that only you or perhaps your family could use. So there's just so much kind of tooling and things on the developer side, uh, things that you know we've kind of built out that platform and have been uh, relatively successful over the years getting people to build on it. Uh, but there's always ways that we can make that easier, make that more robust, um, and really to the point of at some point we'd love to see people uh, you know, not have to worry about building and maintaining their own open API, although I'm, I'm a big proponent of open API, so don't get me wrong, uh, but there's all kinds of downsides that come with that, right? Like you're now kind of managing this whole other community. Uh, and, you know, even back to something I said before is like about half those people are going to be trying to like break something or, or, you know, use it in some shady way. So now there's like a whole nother community that you kind of have to police. 
And for every one like really awesome thing that someone builds on your open API, there's like five kind of crappy things. And there's three things that are like outright fraud or like, you know, somebody trying to like uh, do something that you, you don't approve of. So there's all kinds of overhead, not just in building and maintaining it from an engineering perspective, but just from a kind of a community and quality perspective. And that's something that I think IFT has really done well and it's figured out in, you know, the, in so much as we can help other companies have, you know, avoid having to do that, but still having a lot of what you get with an open API by plugging into IFT, uh, I think there's something really awesome about that. You know, hopefully there'll be more companies uh, that, you know, want everything to work better together than, than, than not. So I think there's a whole path of things that we can add there just for the developers and the people kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, it's so much, there's so much potential with if that, uh, I mean, you can't, you probably can't even answer that question that we asked you, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's limitless basically. Um, yeah. And, uh, the other thing I'll mention is the big challenge though, is like, how do you take the infinite things that we could do? And yeah. as we, you know, as our business continues to grow and our team grows, uh, we're actually do more of those things, but how do we make sure we're disciplined enough that we don't become a, a programming language. We don't become, you know, so focused on, you know, serving and meeting the needs of the early mm -hmm. adopters that we turn off the, you know, the 99.9% .9 of people that have never heard of it out in the yeah. world. Right? Like, I think that's, uh, you mentioned the other competitors, you know, they're, uh, they're a little less user-friendly, but um, yeah. uh, for us, you know, from day one, we've wanted to build something that eventually everybody could use and so we want to make it easy enough and approachable enough uh, for the people that, even the people that really aren't on the internet in a big way yet, or just on the internet on their kind of mobile phone and are just kind of figuring out what they can do. They maybe don't have any IoT devices or, or anything like that yet. Um, but those are the people that we really aspire to kind of serve in four or five years as they get online and become a lot more kind of digitally acclimated. Yeah, sounds awesome. Um, well, you just answered every single question Mike and I had for you today, but we do have some community questions that were, that we got here in the Twitch chat for our, from our live listening audience. Um, I want to ask you a few of those and then get into my favorite segment of the show where Mike asks you some rapid fire questions. But, uh, before we get there, let me just go down the list here. So I am sweet Lee asks. Uh, question, would you recommend learning anything prior to using if like a base knowledge of anything or just jump right into it? Well, I, I'm always critical of our uh, user interface and I, I shouldn't be because we're always making it better and it's pretty good, but hopefully it's easy enough to just start using it. Um, but I, I do think you should come into it uh, and maybe NZXT cam is, is the best because that's you know the audience we're talking to come into it with at least a service in mind that you want to connect to other something else. Doesn't necessarily have to be a very specific idea. In fact, sometimes the more specific you get with your idea, the more frustrated you might be because even though we have 800 services, even for those 800 services, there's always some additional thing that you can add. But if you have kind of a general idea of what you wanna connect or what you wanna achieve, you know, start with that service and then kind of go from there. Um, so, uh, if, if it's not easy enough to kind of navigate and figure out what's possible just on if.com or in our mobile apps, uh, then let us know We're we're not doing as well as we could. So we want to make it as approachable as possible. 
And I know you want to make it as approachable as possible, which is a great segue into this next question from T-Town Scott, who asks, how does it compare to Python? Well, hopefully we never get compared to Python. You know, I'm kind of talking a little bit, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, how we really aspire to have it be like anti-programming programming. Uh, the, the real difference, you know, something like Python or Ruby, uh, something that's kind of like a, 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 I think they call it like a dynamic language or scripting language, but um, <clears throat> I promise I have an engineering degree, but, uh, you know, you are basically, you know, given a blank piece of paper, blank, blank file, uh, and then you have to figure out, you know, the entry point, how your program starts, then all the things that your program does. So you're literally programming, you know, text and words keywords, variables, loops, if this and that conditionals. Uh, so that's Python. If is basically just the conditional part, if this and that. Uh, and you don't have to think about how your program starts because it starts with an if, which is some kind of conditional being met, some event. You know, somebody rings your doorbell or somebody mentions you on Twitter. Uh, and then the execution of your program is everything that happens after that. And if you're just thinking if this and that without some of the kind of pro and pro plus stuff that we've mentioned in the podcast, then you're just thinking about what you want to happen. Do you want to post your own tweet? Do you want to send an email to someone? Do you want to turn on and off the lights or change your thermostat temperature? Uh, so really, if you're just thinking triggers and actions, you know, you don't, you don't even need to think of it as programming. Um, so hopefully, the comparison between if and Python is you can achieve some of the same things uh, without having to know anything about programming. And kind of a similar related note, not really about programming or anything like that, but just on applets themselves. Cypher978 wants to know, can an applet pull a query from the web? For example, when my favorite football team scores a touchdown, have hue lights flash for a couple of seconds. Hmm. You know, we had, this kind of goes back to the point of APIs going in and out uh, of availability. We had a way to do that with ESPN. ESPN is one of those companies that went like all in on their API and their platform, uh, and then kind of realized that like, oh, hey, some of that data is like the kind of stuff that we should be charging people for. So as they switched directions, they then kind of turned off a lot of things that had been built on that API platform. Uh, but if you can find some other way to, you know, get an API or even like do a, a scrape of a web page, right? Like I'm sure if you go to NFL.com and that team's page, it probably has a real time score or something that you can monitor. You can probably hook that up to if, but a lot of the ways that you can do that uh, probably involve some amount of programming. Like we have a, uh, a service on if called the webhook service uh, and that specifically has a, tr a trigger that's like open-ended so if you can find a way for one of uh, the programs you built and host yourself or somebody else has built and hosted to essentially just send us a, a notification at a certain url with a certain kind of unique key uh, that's tied to your username on if uh, then you can basically kind of trigger off anything uh, that said it requires a little bit of programming to do it um, and that was actually one of the ways, you know, we, the webhook service on if is super popular, but it was also one of the ways in which we just kind of look at what people want to do that may not be available. Uh, and so one of the things that led to our interest in working with more folks, uh, in the gaming world was that a lot of users, I think we had three or 400,000 people 
had basically like webhooked their way into using Discord on Ift without having the official Discord service on Ift. So we said, Geez, if, if, you know, 300,000 people can do this with webhooks, imagine how many people would do it if we had the actual Discord logo and all you had to do was, you know, click three times to, to hook it up. So I'm, I'm one of those 300,000 people. Like I, I had an Ift applet that was pulling um, popular Reddit posts into my my own little private server here, so I wouldn't have to go to Reddit. It's like super useful. That's awesome. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, there were all kinds of tutorials, and I'm sure there's probably still things you can do with webhooks and Discord that you may not be able to do with the official Discord service. But yeah, it was it was awesome to see so many people trying to solve that problem so much so that they would kind of go outside the bounds. I'm not sure how how technical or or how much of an engineering background you have, Ivan, but my guess is a lot of those people, yeah, didn't have that. They like saw a guide and they said, oh, I don't, I don't know what a webhook is, but it says copy and paste this over here. Um, yeah, I mean, I literally know nothing about like engineering or programming or any of that stuff, which is why I like it so much and why I used it over, you know, other services that did similar things, but just were like a lot more complicated to use. Um, all right, last last community question for you, Lyndon, before we get into the rapid fire segment here. Johnny says hello, ask, what are some challenges the IF team has faced in regards to community engagement? Hmm. Well, I, I think deep question there. Yeah, the um one of our biggest challenges that is maybe a little bit unique to us, but I, I'm sure uh, every you know kind of community management team. Uh, has to solve it uh, in some regard is, you know, you can use IFT for a lot of different things. You know, IFT is very much, uh, it's like a utility. It's very generalized. Uh, so like we're talking about, you know, doing cool things with uh, gaming services, but we also have people doing, uh, using IFT for their, you know, sub, you know, their newsletter or using IFT for uh, managing their like social presence. So the use cases, you know, and we haven't even talked that much about like, you know, consumer IoT and, you know, connected home stuff. So there's so many different like broad categories and we kind of aspire to, you know, keep broadening the set of use cases and the things that you can do with Ift, but that then makes it really hard to kind of focus in on one thing, right? So like imagine on some of our social channels, uh, we could be posting all day, every day about, you know, connecting your, you know, your doorbell and your thermostat. And that has nothing to do with gaming. And so any of the people that are interested in gaming aren't super interested in what, what, what that's about. But then we could post all day about gaming stuff and all the people that are really into to IoT aren't interested. So trying to figure out what are those you know, few buckets of content, even though they may be pretty different from each other, uh, that either resonate you know, with a broad set of groups or uh, are interesting enough for someone interested in the other categories that they'll, they'll pay attention. So I think that that's, you know, I'm sure in ZXC cam has that problem in some regard as well, but it's, it's really like, who do you want to be when you grow up and how do you focus on just one or two things versus trying to please everybody? There you go. Um, all right, Mike, time for you to ask Lyndon here some questions. Uh, Lyndon, try to answer these as fast as possible. Don't try to, don't try to think too hard. And um, if, uh, if you want, you can elaborate a little bit, but. Just uh, go for it, Mike. All right. For the first question for Rapid Fire, what is your favorite memory of all time? Oh, cliche. Uh, my, my daughter Linux being born. That is true. Answer. Great answer. Good, good answer. Great answer. What is your hobby? 
exercise love to exercise and i love to to video game playing the new god of war right now i'm 40 years old i'm a 40 year old gamer which i think there's a lot more of those nowadays but yeah, uh, i'm one myself <laughs> to go along with that what is your favorite game of all time Ooh, uh was castlevania simply in the night but was recently uh overtaken by uh zelda breath of the wild see i i told you breath of the wild is a good game <laughs> Yeah. What? Oh, Breath of the Wild is the best game. Best I'm in game. the minority. Oh, I just think it's like the worst game of all time. I'm like, it's Breath of the Wild is one of the best. Oh, uh, it's, it's one of the best for sure. I, I, you know, my, the first game I was ever in love with was the original Legend of Zelda for NES. You know, I played Atari, played Mario, some of those other games. But like, the original Legend of Zelda like blew my mind. And so it's, it's even hard to understand the context that you must have for something like the legend of to blow your mind but it was like mind blowing yeah the saying ivan breath of the wild is good well i mean that's i mean i guess i'll elaborate a little bit on why i don't like breath of the wild since we're talking about it but for me um you know i also grew up playing zelda and i love zelda i played a bunch of zelda games and there's something about breath of the wild that just does not feel like a zelda game to me i don't know what it is i mean there may be just too much walking going on i don't know it just didn't feel like a zelda game and i think if it wasn't called zelda i probably would have thought it was a, a great game but i was just yeah. expecting something else i think yeah. Yeah. The walking around is the best part get lost yeah. get lost for hours <laughs> yeah. you just walk around it's fun yeah all right next question so we talked about your hobby, but on the other hand, what's your guilty pleasure? Ooh, hmm. Ice cream? Sorry. I, that's not a really good answer, but I'd, I'd say ice cream. Yeah. What flavor? What flavor ice cream? Cookies and cream is in, in specific. I love I, I I'm a Texas kid, so I love Bluebell. You know, they've gotten in, I'm not sure if they're one of the brands that's been canceled or not, but they did this thing where they stopped using real sugar. I think four or five years ago they started using some other kind of like substitute but it's still pretty damn good interesting uh who is your role model Ooh, tough one i'd say not the best answer but i love michael jordan i know he's not supposed to be a role model but uh i, I if i need to be inspired by someone <laughs> if i don't think i'm working hard enough or dedicated or focused enough think about michael jordan did you did you watch actually, the documentary? What's that? I'll go for it, Ivan. I, no, I think I think uh, Michael Jordan actually one time I think it was him that said he's not, a, not a role model. model. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was like a, it's like a Nike commercial. Yeah, <laughs> but Michael Jordan. I mean, like it or not, he's a role model. But yeah. it's also the goat. There's, I mean, everybody that argues about it is just silly. I understand arguing about Legend of Zelda, but you can't argue. Michael Jordan's the best basketball player. I, I really think the best sports player of all time did you see the uh, documentary of michael jordan uh i guess there was a, you mean the, the recent bulls one yeah 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 because i've seen there's like the the classic throwback was the air it's called like hang time right. like back in the early 90s if you want to see old school jordan documentary but yeah the, the bulls one i can't remember the name of it but yeah the bulls documentary that was recently released was also awesome yeah what motivates i guess going along with it what motivates you um i think uh people uh people working with people uh internally at if the, the team members i i always get super motivated whenever we bring in a new hire you know somebody has seen everything for the first time 
they don't know what they don't know, which is actually a really good thing. And so they come in with all kinds of ideas on how to improve stuff, uh, whether those are, you know, oftentimes ideas we've had before, but often, you know, sometimes ideas we haven't had before, uh, and they have kind of a level of positivity, right? They're, they're not super jaded. You know, they haven't been grind down, grinded down by, you know, just kind of working day in and day out, not just at if any company is like that. Uh, so I get super motivated when we hire new folks. Uh, re recently had an offsite, brought the team together in Hawaii uh, in September. And there's about a third of the team that I hadn't actually met in person yet, you know, since we've been fully remote. Uh, so just like seeing them in person, talking about IFT and how it could, what it could be in the future and how we can improve the product and the company is just super inspiring to me. So that's also kind of a cliche answer, but it's also true. I like that. Uh, what is the most ridiculous fact that you know? Ooh. Mm, oh my goodness. Well, I really blanked on that one, so I must not know any ridiculous facts. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think one of the most ridiculous facts I know is um, the... Combine my combined time here. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that you can divide the distance from the moon and Earth exactly equally into the distance from the Earth to the sun. Actually, reverse. So the distance from the Earth to the sun can be divided evenly, you know, no remainders or anything by the distance from the moon to the Earth. I also could I, be full of shit, but. I'm, I suck at math, so I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I won't even try. It's, it's really, really unique and weird. Do you, so going along with that, do you believe that we're in a simulation? I, I think that's really uh, a tough question to answer because I think everybody's uh, definition of what a simulation is is so uh, kind of influenced by what we currently call a simulation, like games. Uh, but if you think of like reality as a, uh, a simulation of reality as something that has been like pre-constructed by some other intelligence, then I think the answer is yes. But at some point, that's also what the religions have been saying all along. So I think you can blend those two things together. You know, what the religions say and living in a simulation, and I think they're basically talking about the same thing. There's some yeah. other intelligence that has set this all up. Imagine if it was some greater intelligence that just made an applet. Uh, if there's a big bang, then create humans. Or something like that. Oh yeah, no, the, uh, it gets a little kind of esoteric and uh, occult here. But uh, part of what I love about Ift is that this idea of cause and effect seems either fundamental, whether it's a mirage or not. But it's like you know something happens and then something else happens. That's basically what we call time or entropy. And so if this and that is like fundamental. So it's one of the things that I thought is super cool about just the idea of if this and that and why I felt so strongly that it had to be named that. Wow. Awesome. That was that was deep. I like that. And I guess I guess going along with that, is there any conspiracy theories that you would believe in? Hmm. Uh I guess back to the moon thing. I, I'd say the moon, I think could be either artificial or the origins of the moon are still very uh, mysterious. And I think what's so cool about it is, is that it's something we can all see, right? It's not like 
you know, it's not like, you know, are, do we live in a simulation, which is like almost, I think, impossible to actually answer if you are indeed in the simulation. Uh, but like, I think we can all look up at the moon and uh, I think you can get a pretty darn good telescope and see some weird shit. So yeah, you can. There's, there's something weird about the moon. Check it yeah. out. Do you believe that we actually landed on the moon or is it just you just have questions about the actual uh, origins of it? the origins what's actually there uh you know what um you know i think if you look really just you know look at nasa photos of the moon and zoom in you know you find out for yourself it's like one of those things where i think because it's so close and so uh you know it's like so present in everybody's life right it's like it's like the sun it's like something you see you know most of the days uh anything that is uh you know, weird about it or anything that doesn't adhere to kind of what you've been told all your life is really scary. And it's something that you like ignore. Right. So like, I don't think, you know, I don't like believe in any of the conspiracy theories as much as I think if you just go look at the moon a lot closer and think about it and you're open to something different, you'll start to have a lot more questions. Scary Mike though. Yeah, no, 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 right? <laughs> scared about the moon and rightly so. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? It's it's a weird one. I've been scared of the moon since uh um what's the what's the what's what's the Legend Zelda game with the uh scary moon face on it? I can't remember which one it was. Majora's mask. Majora's mask. Ever yeah. since then, I've always been terrified of the moon, just because yeah. of that face and just slowly yeah. getting closer. Yeah. It, it's it's a proven stat. You know, violent crime is up when it's a full moon. Any city, anywhere in the world. And it's statistically significant. You know, like you can basically prove it with all the numbers now. Wow. I mean, so the ocean is also in a different spot, you know, with the tides because of the moon. So mm. definitely has more influence than we like to think. We're now all suspicious of the moon now. Keep your <laughs> eyes out, everyone. You yes. know, people people said that the, you know, birds are governing drones and stuff like now. We gotta watch out for the moon, everyone. So keep your we'll eyes all start out. With the moon. <laughs> And I think that wraps up the rapid fire questions. Uh, I guess we're going to go straight to announcements. But Linda, do you have anything that you want to say before we get to announcements? No. Thank you so much for, for having me. And uh, uh, thank you so much for building on the platform. I'm really excited as you kind of continue to roll out the launch and you can get, you know, get some promo codes out for folks for different things. Uh, excited to see what people do with it and all the creative use cases they have for NZXT Cam and IF. Awesome. Honestly, I can't wait to see what people come up with because honestly, um, like there's so much that we can think of, but really when the people can think of something like, mm -hmm. hey, this is something that I think we should do. Some of the best things we've ever done have been like some of the best uh, ideas I've ever made for like uh, TikTok and Instagram have been from people. So I'm very excited to see what happens. I just, I just thought of a, I just thought of a great applet. If it's a full moon, deliver some bluebell ice cream to my front door. So I don't have to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. dangerous outside, right? Yeah, we need to stay in. And Bluebell. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so thank you, Lyndon, as for joining us on this podcast. So if everyone wants to follow him, I'm going to post the link in the channel right now. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. It is, is it L-T-I-B-B-E-T-S? Just making sure. Is it L-Tibbets? Sure. You know, but you, you just like if we don't get mad if you spell it out. So gotcha. L-T-I-B-B-E-T-S is also good. Perfect. Uh, so go ahead and uh, follow him on Twitter. And is it on all socials or just Twitter? 
Uh, I think it's the same on Instagram. Shit. Like one of those old school nerds that like used his first name for a long time because he could when he signed up to everything. So I'm either L Tibbets or Linden, L-I-N-D-E-N. Perfect. Um, and then also, if you guys want to learn more about IFT or IFTTT, go to ift.com. Go ahead and check that out. There's so many apps, and I think I showed it earlier of how many apps. Let me go and do one last scroll. Look at how many apps you guys can make or how many uh, applets you guys can make with all these apps. There's so many to do. So really, you're just do whatever you guys want to do. I can't wait to see what some amazing stuff happens from it. Um, also, if you guys want to see uh, some amazing cam integrations with Ift, go to nzxt.co slash Ift. Uh, we have some awesome, awesome stuff already. Like Lennon said, um, the one that I actually implemented already is if my CPU exceeds a certain load and temperature, my hue lights will change color from uh, it goes from green to orange, then to red. So it's really cool, really well, really good way for you to just be able to see your temperatures. And that's just one integration. There's probably going to be hundreds more coming down the road. So keep an eye out. Um, and if you guys want to get a little bit more to if uh, we have a promo code going on nzxt15 to save 15% on your if subscription so worth it there's so much that you guys can do with this stuff honestly it is worth every single penny so please use nzxt15 as the promo code uh let's see oh also we have released so so many 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 new products out there from the new x5 series cases the t120 air coolers canvas monitors thermal paste power supplies, everything you think of. We're releasing so many more and there's going to be so much more in the future. So please check out nzxt.com to learn more and check them out. Um, and also for those that are staying for the uh, for the giveaway. So thank you guys so much for joining on this podcast. We have a secret code for everyone for those that stay on the podcast. Um, and let me go ahead and copy paste it right now. So for those that go to the Gleam, there's a secret code that gives you 500 extra entries for the Gleam giveaway for the nzxt swag. Most of the time, whenever we pull winners, it happens. This is a thank you as for, you know, staying on the podcast so long. The code for the podcast is an applet a day, an applet a day, A-N-A-P-P-L-E-T-A-D-A-Y. An applet a day is the code for the secret uh, for the 500 extra entries as a thank you for joining on this podcast. Yeah, no, I know. I, I was pretty proud of that one. I was like, I was like, what's a oh, apple? Apple a day. Apple in a day. Perfect. So I, I got to take credit for that one. <laughs> so, say that, that's a pretty good one. So thank you. Thank you. Um, and I think that is it for all the announcements. Does anyone have any remaining ones before we go to the outro? I just wanted to thank Lyndon for joining us on the podcast today. And that I'm super excited to see what our community comes up with, with these cam if integrations um mike is going to be making some videos so make sure to stay tuned to nzxt social so you can see what we're coming up with and uh next week we are going to have a giveaway where we're going to ask our community to come up with some some applet ideas so start thinking all right keep an eye out y'all i'll be posting a cam and if tutorial tomorrow so if you guys have any questions on how to actually integrate it keep an eye out i'll be posting tomorrow and I think that is it. So thank you guys for joining us. And remember, tune in live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the official NCC Twitch. And don't forget to listen to previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. 
And please leave us a positive review if you like what you hear, or even if you didn't. Got any questions for us? Send an email to podcast at nzxt.com or tag at nzxt on all social media platforms. Thank you, Linda, for joining us. Have a good day, everyone. All right. Thank you all. Thanks for having me, Mike.